Welcome. This is the Global Summit House Podcast. Catch power interviews and discussions with influential, inspiring, and powerful people. Explore what's possible by tuning into this podcast with our all-new The Writer's Project episodes, featuring one of the world's most inspired thinkers and writers. Visit our website at www.globalsummithouse.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Table Talks, and I'm your host, Joshua King, with another amazing episode. And guys, we have a, a very special guest on the show today. We have a CPA, a fellow in the American College of Healthcare Administrators, a licensed nursing home administrator, and CEO of All American Care, Inc. He has written six published books and over 100 published articles on reimbursement and management systems. Today, we have Jerry Rhodes on the show. Jerry, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Good to be here. Well, thank you very much, Jerry. And, you know, just excited to have you on and, you know, talk about your books. But before we get into that, I'll just give you some time here. And if you can, just introduce yourself to everybody on the show. Okay. My name is Jerry Rhodes. As uh, Josh said, I'm a CPA. Uh, my background is principally healthcare. The financial side of healthcare, which is a hot topic these days. Uh, I was with Arthur Anderson, uh, a large accounting firm in Chicago when Medicare got passed. And I was a part of the, the team that Blue Cross hired us to come in and roll out the financial side of Medicare, the hospitals initially, then physicians and nursing homes. So I've been around or involved in healthcare since the 1960s. So that kind of ages me, I guess, a little bit. But recently, we, my, my son and my wife uh, and I uh, acquired three nursing homes. So our experience was, prior to that, was with clientele consulting. Actually, a lot of my consulting was for the federal and state government when it comes to applying the rules and regulations mm. and feeling that there was something missing in the operation of nursing homes since they had such a bad reputation. And we were consulting with them and setting up systems and things were getting better. We thought we could do better. So we acquired three nursing homes, which we then sold because of the pressure by state regulators to just do it their way. And we were there to, to try to, change the way it's done and improve the care and also the number of people that we could restore and they could go home. So that's a little bit of a of, of my background. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Jerry. Let's get into these books that you have, Failing Government Taketh Away and the American Enterprise Manifesto. Healthcare is an extremely hot topic right now, and I'm very excited that you're on the show so you can kind of you know, really give some education here because you, like you said, you've been involved with this since the 60s. And so you've seen a lot of change and you just, you know how hot, uh, much of a hot topic it is today. So very relevant conversation. Very glad to have you. Let's talk about failing government taketh away. What inspired you to write this and what can readers learn from this book? Well, 
Well, that particular book was written after we uh, sold our nursing homes because of the the way that the, the rules and regulations are applied to private owners. But within that book, it talks about uh, the problem that we had with, first of all, funding healthcare, and secondly, on how we measure quality. And right now, the funding is not covering the costs. Matter of fact, we haven't even recorded all the costs because we don't record in the government. We don't record anything until it's expended. We're not recording obligations. So we don't have on the government's books recorded the unrecorded commitment and obligations that have accrued for each year on the books. It's merely what's been budgeted and what's been spent. So the first problem, of course, is that we don't know, uh, or I think we don't at least report the current financial situation. And when Obamacare was passed, that was not a key element in Congress for voting for or against. Matter of fact, it was misleading because it only dealt with 10-year averages and didn't factor in the aging baby boomers mm. and baby boomers are coming on the Medicare at 7,000 per day and 10,000 per day on social security. So with those heavy commitments and with a population that's not very, that very healthy, then we've got problems that are going to continue to escalate. And within failing government, that's where it gets into, yeah, why we're, why we're failing to fund it and why we're failing in measuring what we're pro- providing. And then you get into the current politics of it is who's going to pay for what and do the individuals have to internalize the responsibility to stay healthy or now it's externalized because somebody else is paying for it. Mm-hmm. Typically, the younger people are paying for the older people. And the older people are the ones that are getting sick. I'm not trying to be just negative. I'm just trying to say the situation that we have to deal with, first of all, is funding, and then how do we take care of people and what kind of an outcome. Rather than just worry about the income of the providers, the physicians, the hospitals, we need to start defining what outcomes are and what we're going to get for all. We're spending $3 trillion a year on health care. That's the biggest budget item that there is. So that book uh, deals with, you know, the background and then how we took over three nursing homes. And our goal was to come up with a method that would bring the, the responsibility to, to that community and to that family and to that patient for staying healthy and trying to uh, restore people so they could go home rather than warehouse. People in in these nursing homes. So that was our goal. Uh, We restored them. We bought three. We put five hundred thousand dollars in each of the uh, of the the facilities. Made them look good, smell good. Hired more staff. Got better food, and started our practice of getting people up and active, mentally and physically. This built their. functional status so we can either be happier in the facility and we don't have to just 
just babysit, but also have the, the hope of going home. So that book lays out what I call a, a solution to what exists now for the operators. A good, probably 70, 75% of the nursing homes are owned by chain operators. So they're not locally owned. They're owned outside for investment in the real estate principally, and then the healthcare is kind of secondary to the real estate. And I think that in itself is wrong. Uh, our our goal was to to go in and, and restore the facility, put in our software systems that would could bill Medicare and Medicaid and show them what we were providing so we could get adequate resources. And uh, then after we had three models built, we would then rent the facilities out to a local business man or woman that had that would become licensed and they would be responsible for the daily operations with us in the background to support that. And then if there was any financing that needed to be done, we would have to then go to the financial institutions as, as we have in the past. But it was going to be a franchise business. And we and the three that we set up that, that were working, uh, we could not get enough backing from investors to go ahead and acquire more. Iowa has mostly rural facilities and they're not being taken care of. So that's, again, the essence of that book is to show why healthcare, when it's administered by the government, is going to continue to fail financially and uh, in terms of quality. Yeah, I have to agree. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. And, you know, I don't pretend to know, you know, all the ins and outs of the healthcare system by no means. But it's pretty clear we are missing something here. Um, and like you touched on, too, you found out that there's there's a lot missing in our nursing homes. And so, I mean, in fact, I used to work at a nursing home many years ago. And you're right. It just seems like more of a babysitting and warehouse warehousing, you know, of people. And it's quite sad, really. Um what do you think it is? Is it is it United States? Is it our society, our outlook on health care? Or where do you think the disconnection is and how we're taking care of people? Well, it goes back to when we first started rolling Medicare out. Blue mm. Cross was the primary insurance company, health insurance company. And they promised everyone that your employer will pay the bill for your health care. So that externalized the payment to an outside party and so I think the mistake with doing that is that that the covered lives healthcare lives were being paid for by the employer but there was no requirement for the individual to you know to, to take care of themselves and, and qualify for the, the coverage so the healthcare of America since that time has been eroding my opinion and I've got three other books on on why that's happening and why it's the most important thing is for the individual to take and internalize responsibility and not think it's a right here in this country to have health care. It's a privilege that we somehow have to earn by taking responsibility for that. You know, and, and that goes in many different forms. It's physical, mental, emotional. A lot of things are affected by our health 
and 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 how and how we approach staying healthy. So I think that's kind of where we went wrong day one. Well, as it got more expensive and more and more people aged and whatever, the employers could not afford mm-hmm. to just hand out free health care. I mean, we can't afford it today. When they talk about free health care, there is no such thing. You know, ultimately somebody has to pay the bill because the providers don't work for nothing. So you can kind of get a, maybe a, a feel for right now when it's costing three trillion and people are talking about making it another six trillion by giving away health care on a, on an annual basis. There's not enough not enough wealth in the world really to, to, to make those handouts and it doesn't really solve the problem of people taking responsibility for their own welfare. I do propose a solution which is, you know, first of all an example of, of the government running anything is the post office and DA. And DA is still in shambles because they build these tall buildings where everybody's supposed to go and you're all sitting in the waiting room forever. I proposed when we had our facilities, and it used to be the case that we would take veterans immediately and start providing uh, re- re- rehab and restorative services with the help of the medical community and hospitals to get them back into society and I've written articles on that well that that isn't being done we need to spread that responsibility for those veterans throughout the healthcare system and not just in certain VA hospitals so that's a part of the solution the other part is each individual has their own savings account now we have a medical savings account but Obamacare did away with those Essentially, but I call it shift shift health care to an investment funding trust. So we shift away from government control to privatizing health care, and it would be administered by what, what uh, they've done with life insurance. They would be mutually owned health care insurance companies. You could choose your own. That would probably be 15, 20, maybe who knows how many out there and that's their business it's for processing claims and administering the the, the uh, reimbursement of, to the providers and reinvesting their uh, the funds that in the in the in each individual savings account into uh, private private industry stock market or even the health care providers so that model takes away the administrative costs now that are, are we, we really don't even have any idea how much is being spent or wasted by having the government uh, handle everything. And for example, there was a situation in Texas where a company that registered for uh, Medicare for uh, our, uh, motorized wheelchairs billed the government for 35,000 uh, power wheelchairs and just took the money and ran. They were even, never even produced or placed. There's the fraud and abuse that's talked about it has really been created because it's all a government administered program. And it's so big mm-hmm. that no one really has their arms around it. So we shift, shifted from government control. They control everything at this point. Uh, Medicare, Medicaid, 
VA and the insurance companies as fiscal intermediaries work for the government. So that is what I, in my book, call, and it's an economic term, monopsony. M-O-N-O-P-S-O-N-Y, monopsony. Well, what is that? Well, it's the opposite of monopoly. When you have monopoly, you have one, one business such as Microsoft controls the sale and distribution of the product and the price and the quality. And it, it destroys, of course, competition. Monopsony is where we have one uh, entity, which is the government, that controls the distribution of the money for paying the whole network uh, for delivery of healthcare. And right now, that payment is all based on input units, not on outcomes. So a hospital is paid for, by diagnosis. Doctors are paid by diagnosis. Well, diagnosis is an input uh, uh, definition. What we need is, is what are we going to get for uh, repairing a, a person that has a stroke that also had was diabetic and respiratory and whatever. And we call that the, the healthcare model. And modeling is all built on the basis of, uh, first of all, diagnosis, and then what kind of problems are related to the diagnosis, and what are the interventions, and, and, and the cost accounting, but forcing the providers to account for their costs and the end result. You know, how many people are going home? How many people have to stay? How many are referred to nursing homes? How many are staying and how many are going home? A whole system that is based upon management of the process. I call it an episodic system. As you can track under that system from the, from the physician office to the hospital to the nursing home to the assisted living to the to home, home care. Because it's all connected for each individual. Now it's not connected at all. So I don't know if you're getting the, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you are, getting the point here is that we have no control over the cost or quality, the way it's administered. And doctors paid on the amount of encounters they do, pharmacy on the pharmacies that are written by the physicians, everything is driven by input, not by output. And how could that be? Well, it's all institutionalized. Everything that the government's involved in, 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 in embraces institutional accounting and funding and everything. Mm. It is it is an enterprise. And that my my book on the American enterprise is that we have to start looking at these things in this co- country as enterprises, not as institutions. And then we start getting the thought process to be more cost effective, provide better quality, be more efficient. None of those factors are in healthcare at this present time. And uh so if I were to make a speech to Congress, uh, I would say, you know, that healthcare has to be looked at as an enterprise. We bring capitalists, capital into that enterprise. We bring the social aspect when we have the employees into that uh, entity. So we're bringing capitalism and socialism together in an enterprise. Mm-hmm. So why should we fight what, which is better than capitalism or socialism when we have to have both? We focus on enterprise, not on uh, party lines, the, the conservatives versus the liberals, or so on and so forth. So, so that book gets into a, a better way for a third party to, to 
break the log jam and start bringing this into focus on the great American enterprise, which is basically the consumer of the world. You know, uh, these trade agreements are one thing, but, you know, we're, we're the consumers of the world. We also are technically the producer of most of the technology. I'm glad you mentioned uh, a few things in there, and it kind of alludes to your other book that we were talking about, the American Enterprise Manifesto. Um, at some point, we as human beings, as as uh, individuals, I, I think you're totally right, have to take responsibility and ownership again of our own health. And I think you you know you really illustrated that over the course of time, all that responsibility has been placed in the hands of the government and it seems to me that we are just is and maybe you can and you've already touched on this or maybe can explain more but the great united states of america have we just become just total all the way dependent on government to solve all of our problems and are we just walking around with no control like clueless and no control no you're correct um there was an article written by a guy charlie reese since deceased, but it, I, I I start my book out, American Enterprise Manifesto, where his his position is, is the gang of 545 run everything, but they solve nothing. And the 45 would be the 90 or the the, the hundred uh, senators, the 435 Congress men and women, the nine Supreme Court justices, and the president. They basically lead you to believe that, that they're in the problem-solving business. They're passing 40,000 laws a year across this country at, at federal and state levels, most of which take our freedoms away, and say that, that they, are in, they are in control by enforcing these laws. And each law takes another piece of our freedoms away. So again, the point being here is, is that uh, the individual is not staying healthy because they're not taking responsibility for it and there's uh, all kinds of things that, that they can do individually in their lifestyle to improve their health and their and their happiness and prosperity but no we're saying we have all these entitlements we don't just have Medicare is not an entitlement it's a savings program it belongs to the people that put their money aside Medicaid is an entitlement Workman's comp is an entitlement. Disability is an entitlement. We have 13 other entitlement programs, food stamps, that have been laid out there to say, okay, the government's going to solve your problem. No. They have just created a monster. Because eventually, you know, uh, we'll all be right in the, the government dole. And that's called Social Security and Medicare. And I'm thankful for it right now because my wife and I are both on Medicare and Social Security, but it, it's 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 declining in in its ability to cover things. So what's going to happen? Well, in any failing enterprise, which is what America is, when you become insolvent, insolvent and can't pay your bills, then something has to be done. And in the American Enterprise Manifesto, it says not a wealth tax, but we have to have those that have made a lot of money on the system need to start reinvesting back into America. Mm -hmm. They need to pay the debt now. 
I said before, we're not. We haven't recorded all the debt. If we were, if we were, if the books were not cooked, Americans would <laughs> would vote for somebody else because it it, it can't be paid for. Not 123 trillion in unrecorded obligations, and we're and we're saying we have a debt of 20 21 trillion, much of which is is owed to China and some of our enemies, Saudi Arabia, and so on and so forth. But to get to the the final point here is is that I believe healthcare is the backbone of the, of the country. If, if 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 the Americans aren't healthy, then our economy's not healthy. Our ability to compete's not healthy. And and when we have too many laws telling us what not to do or what we can't do, we just become more and more uh, in the in the swamp. I guess is our president would call it. Um, or as I've called it, failing government takes up the way because they're certainly going to take away when they can't cut the checks for Social Security and Medicare because there's no no money and they can't borrow anymore. Then that's the day that you know re- reality sets in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like your approach. It's very it's realistic. Crazy. You know, um, you mentioned earlier it might sound negative, but really it's real. It's a realistic. Uh, analysts of, of what's going on, you know, in our current state here. And, you know, yeah, very common sense solutions. But what happens is, like you were mentioning yeah. too, things just get too political. And then, well, nothing gets done. So how do we, mm-hmm. how do we get away from that? How do we start implementing common sense solutions? Is that a possibility? Oh, no. I think it's, I think it's imperative. Yeah not only imperative, but it's got to happen because it can't go on. I mean, in business, you know, you can carry on for a while when you're insolvent, but when you can't pay your bills, then thing, a reorganization has to take place. That's called Chapter 11 of the Bankruptcy Law. And there's a Chapter 10 for government entities. You know, someday that's going to have to, the reality is going to have to be dealt with. But before that, what we can do, and we, we've never had anyone successfully uh, set up a third party that would uh, uh, break up the, the logjam. Okay, mm-hmm. the American Enterprise Party, which is, is recommended in the American Enterprise Manifesto, it's not a, I'm not out here saying we, we got a, uh, have pillage and, and, and riots and whatever, we, we really can do this with some common sense. The third party, like I say, brings con- capitalism and socialism together. So we've got the middle basically being represented by the American Enterprise Party. The extremes are where we are now with the red and the blue. Mm-hmm. They're promising capital, uh, capitalism is the solution and the stock market and the socialists are saying we got to get free education and all that. But in the middle, there's 40% of the people now that call themselves independents are enterprising Americans. And, and on the right, left, those those uh, blocks, uh, voting blocks, are also enterprising Americans. Who who represents the enterprising American? You know, who is that? Well, no, we have big corporations represented by the Republicans, and then you have the wealthy people who typically represent by by the the wealthy and no one's representing at least 40-50% of, of the voting block. And so what could that do? It doesn't have to win the presidency. It doesn't have to win all the seats in anything. 
if they could win eight seats in the Senate and 20 seats in the House, they are the, the swing vote, which brings with it a, a change. Mm-hmm. It, it really forces the whole system to start now considering that government doesn't solve problems. They only create them with every law that goes on the books, stays on the books. We don't even know how many we got, how many, how much it costs. And 40,000 new ones each year costs us $200 billion a year to implement. And no one's tracking whether there's any benefit to that. So it's all about competition. The red and the blue are just the gang of 545 that run everything. And they're only concerned about re-election principally. You know, I got to give Trump credit. He's concerned about a lot of other things that should be dealt with and is dealing with it. But he's doing it you know, pretty much on his own. Mm-hmm. Having having to make this change that I'm talking about would be along that, that same line that, that he's going. And so we have to make the, the great American enterprise uh, be able to not allow what America has done and has to be, you know, peeled off. I mean, we let, we let China come in and use our markets and we don't charge them anything. The balance of trade is, is eighty billion a month. Or eighty billion? A, no, it's eighty billion a year. Um, no, it's more. It's eighty billion a month. And what he's trying to do, of course, is to to get the balance of trade back. Mm-hmm. We don't get the balance of trade back. We continue to have to borrow more money from our competitors. They're going to own, you know, half of the United States mm-hmm. somehow or or some way. So the third party is strategy-wise only has to be able to bring the message to the public that this is this is the problem and these are solutions that are there. And number one is healthcare, number two is education, number three is um, uh, certain freedoms that we, that we want back because they've been taken away so it's really a, a common sense approach to saying, here's, here's an alternative. Will it have any impact on the right and the left? You better believe it. Mm-hmm. These extremes will pretty much go away. You know, the talk of free this and free that, uh, there's going to be a whole lot of people and probably are sitting there in their kitchen saying, that can't work. You know, uh, we're going to give everything away? No, that can't work. So that's that's my thinking. And again, you know, you have an important message here. And like I said, this is such a relevant topic. And I think that this is an important message to us all here because you said just now, the red and blue are becoming stream. And I think more and more, people, more and more people are falling in line in the middle. So where can we find your books? Okay, I have a website. It's uh, www.jerry.com. J E R R Y Rhodes R H O A D S Author dot com. Jerry Rhodes Author dot com. Jerry Rhodes Author dot com. Rhodes is spelled R H O A D S. No E in the Rhodes. All right, I'll make sure to put a link in the. Okay, I'll make sure to put a link in the description so that we can go and find these books. Uh, Very, like I said, important messages here. 
uh, it's time that we do take things seriously and look at this in a realistic um, approach and, and, and implement these common sense solutions like you were talking about. I do have three books on health, on how you can, uh, your life, how, how your lifestyle affects your health. One is called Lifestyles uh, for Aging, and there's a, there's a website on that. It's www.lifestylesforaging.com. My wife and I have been writing these books. Uh, there's another one called Never Too Old to Live. Um, it's on that website. And on that website, I just said, and then we have just released the book How to Live Forever, which is uh, 12 Vows and Habits to Live By. Ha- ha- happy, happily, forever after. Anyway, we just had our 60th anniversary. and uh, Congratulations. We're, we're going to go for the world's record or die trying. <laughs> happily trying. That's awesome. Congratulations, by the way. And so, like we are talking about earlier, you know, we really need to, because this is where I'm at in my thinking, and I'll just kind of tell you my opinion here. The least thing I can do is, you know what, I can take control of what I'm doing in my life, my lifestyle, what I'm eating, what I'm doing. You know, I can make an impact Mm -hmm. and not have to depend so much on this failing system that we have uh, and things like that. And I think that... You know, we really need to wake up um, in, in America and stop the dependency on government in, in, in all aspects. Welfare, food stamps, you know, all this stuff. There's things that we, especially today, Jerry, with technology, uh, there's so many things and resources and tools that we can do on our own as, Amer- like you said, enterprising Americans. Get out there and, you know, take control of yourself and, and your future and then, therefore, impacting others. So, uh, I, again, I'm glad to have you on the show. Is that kind of what, is that, does that make sense? Does that fall in line with what you're saying, too? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I think there's so many opportunities that we're, we're missing and individuals missing uh, because, you know, technology is concerned about taking away jobs. It's with, with digital, it is expanded the number of apps out there that enable us to live a smarter life and a better life. Mm. And it's only going to expand. And it's not take, it's not robots taking us over with our, our minds being able to use these tools. And, and the whole world's going to want them. I mean, the opportunity that this country is unlimited mm-hmm. unless we kill it with too much overhead. You know, I call it fixed costs. You know how many employees we have in the government today? 22 million. Wow. That is a $1 trillion payroll. And guess what? They got the best health there. They got the best retirement. The retirement has never been recorded. That's the uh, part of the unrecorded liabilities is is the government pensions. And they're Mm. not being funded. Illinois is something like 800 billion in the whole. Yeah, I mean, where in the world is all this going to come from to be able to feed our, our this giant swamp mm-hmm. that we have no control over, and then we have to rate what the 545 people are doing. Are they doing a great job? I don't think so. But we can't we can't fix it unless we have some competition in how that's all done, mm-hmm. how the voting is done, and how the elections are done, and, and how and and you know this constant uh, 
battling of the two parties, I think, is concocted because they still control all the money. And it's the golden rule. Those who have the gold rule. Mm. And that's not supposed to be the way America runs. And I don't want each individual, you know, sitting at home voting on their computer. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. We have to have representatives. But they don't all have to be attorneys from Harvard or, or, or uh, you know, we, uh, Yale. It could be some common folks, and, I, and they'll say, well, they are, but they all, they're all millionaires now. <laughs> if you go look them up, mm-hmm. they're all millionaires where they make that money off of enterprising Americans yeah. who pay all the bills. It isn't Gates and, and Buffett paying all the bills. This bills no. The, the 200 million workers are paying their bills, which pay most of them all the bills. They pay property taxes, which is one of the highest taxes. Sales taxes is also high. Those two make up 30 or 40% of the taxes. It isn't income taxes that's controlling this country. It's payroll, it's payroll taxes, it's sales taxes, it's property taxes. You add up all those, mm-hmm. and the wealthy are not you know, paying all the bills, but they're, they're making all the decisions. Yep. So that that and we need to balance out what they make versus what we make so there's a whole lot if you can look at this as an enterprise rather than a huge institution then we start to get close to maybe solving the problem but yeah it could crash who knows it will one or the other it's either going to crash another stock market crash because the fed if you don't watch them and they raise that interest rate They'll destroy the housing market again, and that's what happened in 2005 and seven. When Bernanke came in, he, he almost doubled the discount rate to his banks, and all of those fixed-rate subprime mortgages couldn't make their payments. It wasn't just Wall Street that destroyed, destroyed the housing market. It was the Fed, and it was Bush and, 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 and uh, the uh, Secretary of Treasury who came out of uh, Wall Street and Bernanke, who ran the Fed, in my opinion, caused the Great Depression, mm-hmm. which it was, because people lost three trillion, three or three or four trillion, thirty trillion dollars of the value of their homes. Our home went from six hundred twenty thousand to three hundred eighty thousand. Wow! And overnight, we've been paying our mortgage, you know, for years. So the, the misconception is. is is that it wasn't Greenspan that caused it because he kept his hand on the, the throttle. When he retired, Bernanke came in, boom. Mm-hmm. They started upping the interest rates like Carter did in the 1970s when it went to 23% to put out put all the savings and loans out of business, which it did. And it was reincarnated as stimulus and Obama fell into the trap too, so they bailed out big corporations that could have filed for bailed them out. Yeah, Chapter Eleven bankruptcy to get down some of their debt. Mm-hmm. So that's all in the book. It's, it's all documented. There was no reason for those kind of interest rates because inflation was low, and they did it to penalize Wall Street for subprime mortgage packaging. In my opinion, yeah. So there you have it. Well, not all of it, but. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, Jerry. And I thank you for really illuminating this and getting me to think in a different way because I never thought of it as an enterprise. But, you know, you're absolutely right. And my, I guess my hope is that technology 
and these advancements will level the, the playing field for the enterprising Americans yeah. and um, make some changes, common sense changes like we were talking about. And I'm also thankful that you have solutions. You have these two books that we can take a look at and um, learn more about what's really going on with all your expertise. Like you said, uh, experience dating back to the 60s, you have a lot of knowledge and experience, but then also offering the things that we can do to take uh, control of our own health and lifestyles, those books as well. And I'll provide all those links, guys, so we can go check out those books. Jerry, again, hey, thanks for being on the show today. Oh, thank you, uh, Josh. If you want me back, you know, just let me know. Definitely. I think that we have a lot to talk about. Okay, great. Everyone, that was Jerry Rhodes. Jerry is a CPA, a fellow in the American College of Healthcare Administrators, a licensed nursing home administrator, and CEO of All American Care, Inc., he has written six published books and over 100 published articles on reimbursement and management systems. Talking with Jerry has been very enlightening, and I am very thankful for him to be on the show today and talk about these things. You know, it's very important that we do, and I am so thankful for Jerry to, to be on the show and talk about his books and what he's doing to help others see that insight as well. And I'll make sure to provide those links in the description so you can go to check out his books and more about Jerry. Everyone, thank you for listening to the show today. And remember, you can go to my website, hellomynameisjosh.com. That's hellomynameisjosh.com and learn more about me there, my books. And you can also listen to all my episodes right there on the website, all archived for your listening pleasure. You can also go to wherever you like to listen to podcasts and find me there as well. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, please share with your friends. Again, thank you for listening, and thank you for Jerry for being on the show today. Until next time, I'll talk to you later. You've reached the end of another episode of the Global Summit House podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, iTunes, or Google Play. Connect with us at GlobalSummitHouse.com. See you on the next episode.